All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of Construction Corner Podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm your host. And we do have a special guest today. But first, Matt, how are you, my blue collar badass? Uh, I'm doing good. Good to be here. It's been a, a crazy busy week and I'm having some technology problems. So if my audio sucks, I apologize in advance. <laughs> hey man, it, it happens. We're uh, we're running real businesses here, not uh, <laughs> not just podcasting. It's true, absolutely true. Uh, so with that to get today, guys, I and Matt have we have a special guest, Doug Maiden. Uh, Doug practiced architecture for five years before joining Beck Technology back in '98. So uh, he's gonna hopefully give us tons of information on the history of the industry here as I am much newer than 98 to the industry. But uh, he began writing application specific programs for the AEC industry. And then in 2001, wrote the specifications to the Destiny Profiler, uh, commercial BIM application sold by Beck Technology since 06. And uh, Doug is now responsible for organizational support services, including education and planning services, and an expert user, which I would hope so, <laughs> of, of the Destiny Mahler and the suite um, and lectures at numerous colleges and presents to trade associations and partners on the features and uses of the Destiny suite and also the changes in the industry, which is a big portion of what we're going to talk about today is uh, technology. It's kind of past, present and future. So, Doug, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dylan. And thank you, Matt. And uh just a little bit of, of history. Matt and I have known each other probably since 2012, maybe. It, it's It's been a long time. It's been darn near 10 years. I was trying to figure that out yeah. this morning. Yeah, I think it was 10 years. So it's been an exciting journey to uh, to see how construction has, has moved forward. And I'll, I'm happy to share whatever insights that I've, I've picked up along the way as well. Well, we're, we're, we're glad to have you, Doug, and, and it's good to see you again. Uh, yeah. Even even if virtually. So uh, I, I guess, why don't you give us a start and kind of give us your background? You know, Dylan kind of gave us the, the high level overview, but um, frankly, I didn't even know you started in architecture. So you learn something new every day. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll keep it pretty short. So, so I wanted to be an architect since like fifth grade because I love to draw by hand. And I went to school in Chicago at uh, IIT and at that time, everything was done by hand. And when I finally graduated after a, it was it was a five year program and I took one extra year and did a co-op. And uh, when I finally graduated, it was still everything was done by hand architecturally. But my co-op, I was um, uh, worked for a year with R.R. Donnelly and Son and and worked on AutoCAD and, and worked with all of their interior design. And so I got to learn a little bit about computers and, and where things were going. And that was in the, the early 90s. So when I graduated in 93, I did one drawing by hand, ink on Mylar. And then uh, they took all the drafting tables out and put computers in front of us. And that just started from there. So, I mean, that was that was AutoCAD, you know, it's 2D line work. So it was kind of similar to what, what all of us had done before. But what I saw then was that uh, there was intelligence in the computer right? that, that a pencil or you know ink on mylar couldn't do so just early on in the in the mid 90s i would go to like autodesk university and start talking to them about what i saw what needed to be happening with with autocad to help architects and along the way um you know autodesk has has developed over the years but in the mid 90s uh peter beck formed an initiative inside of of the beck group uh, a construction a very large construction company and developed the the Beck Technology um, division. We, we're we're 25 years old as far as a company, Beck Technology, and originally it was formed as an initiative to support a large construction firm. And I don't think Beck is alone in that. I mean, I've come across many many firms over the years that have had uh, initiatives or technology uh, uh, focused areas to help their business. Right. And uh, the, the kind of the cool part, uh, just to kind of fast forward, is I changed career paths after five years because I was frustrated as a young architect that as I drew in AutoCAD, I couldn't get the cost of what the line was. I couldn't get the cost of any of these items and everything was always over budget. 
but why would an architect not, you know, why would, would I, should I care about that? Well, because I don't want to draw again, right? I, I'd rather just draw it right the first time if possible. And that's really kind of the thing, the visions that, that Peter Beck and, and Beck Technologies had for many, many years is to, to break down the silos of, I'm, I'm just going to draw and then throw it over the fence to some construction firm for them to estimate. They throw it back over the fence. It's too expensive. Start, you know, start through the process, throw it back over the fence. And there's got to be some ways to be, uh, you know, lean, you know, lean initiatives. All this has been going on for probably 25 years or more. I mean, just the evolution of, of coming from paper into the computer system on architecture, the same thing happened in construction as well, right? Like used to be uh, uh, slide rules and, and uh, uh, then it went to TI calculators. And then finally, when it got to computers, maybe it was, was Excel or Lotus one, two, three, and then Excel. Like it just, it has these logical progressions, but I think all of the industry, uh, and I see it more so with construction than, than architecture at the moment is that, uh, Construction is thinking about these lean initiatives in ways to repurpose their data so that it, it doesn't just have these siloed uh, pieces of information that can never be shared across disciplines or with even inside of, of, of a construction company. So I think, uh, you know, Matt, you and, and Dylan, uh, young and energetic and embrace technology, a lot of the construction companies uh, embrace it now, I, I think, uh, very well. And they, they either have initiatives like what, what Beck Technology has been, or they, they uh, have folks inside incubating the ideas uh, that can be successful. Uh, and that's, that's happened not only from the software side, but also when you think about out in the field and how, how BIM and uh, uh, total stations and uh, oh, even um, uh, drones, like all kinds of hardware technology is helping the industry as a, as a whole. And that's that's what I think I think what I've seen over 25 years of, of doing this, uh, both in architecture and then now as a technologist, is we're, we're looking to figure out a way to to streamline the process and share the data. There are things that are intellectual property, obviously, that that you can't really expose externally, but there's quite a bit of of data that can be shared. And, and I think that's what all clients would want, right? Is they're, they're coming to a specific construction team or firm and have the confidence that they can deliver on time, on budget, and that they're not uh, being taken advantage of. That like somehow there's a history of, of justifying how they got to their costs. Yeah, you, uh, you just dropped a whole lot of nuggets there that we could unpack. Um, okay. But, but the biggest one I think is, it's this this sharing of data concept and yep. it, it shouldn't be a foreign thing to us but but honestly I, I think there's still that uh, that old school mentality in a lot of architecture firms and a lot of contracting firms where we don't play well in the same sandbox yet um, what you guys are doing there at back and I know this from from my experience you know previously when we met Doug you know, that it's like the it's the epitome of of getting everybody on the same team. almost. Yep. And, and I think it's so crucial. And, and Dylan and I talk about this all the time about that rift, that, that definite line between the design guys and the construction guys. Right. It's it's always been there and it'll always be there. But at the end of the day, we're all working towards the same goal. And, and if if we can start or, or recognize that maybe we don't have to start at zero anymore because there's there's guys like you, there's firms like like back tech that have been around for quite some time now, pushing this to the forefront. I think we, as an industry, we'd be, we'd be a whole lot better off. Definitely. And it is tough, right? Because uh, in the architecture firm that I work for, they had standards, drafting standards to, to um, that were enforced to make their lives more efficient inside of, of the discipline. But all of a sudden you go to a different architecture firm it's different standards. You know, it's it, it is very difficult when it's when it's somewhat of a uh, homegrown or uh, it was developed, and, and this this happens quite frequently on the estimating side. That I'm sure uh, Dylan, you and Matt have come across as well. Is that 
for for construction firms that maybe you know jump from a TI calculator into Lotus and then into Excel. There were some Excel wizards that could build up really great macros and and start to to get some efficiencies. Uh, but it's all file based, and 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 if that person left the firm, you know maybe maybe the macro doesn't work anymore, or maybe Microsoft uh, uh, changes Excel enough that that there's all this maintenance to try to keep your estimating system alive and, and living. And then of course, you know there's there's always when folks either come or go, they you could lose that intellectual capital, like lose what what these excel files really meant to people and it's very very hard because those files are all fragmented so um yeah industry-wise if you if there were ways to share on common forms then then you're at least not having to start the process from ground zero every time yeah yeah i think there's a lot of processes that firms build around one person, right? Somebody took the initiative to build something and it, that person owns it and they get uh, delegated as the whatever it is, right? The, the estimating guy, the BIM guy, the whatever in the yep. firm. And it, it never kind of leaves that. Uh, but one thing I, I kind of wanted to go back to was in firms creating their own kind of technology, the silo, and really even the start of, of Beck, you know, over the years, there've been a number of firms that have done this in, in some way, shape or form. And really it's, it's few and far between like SOM back in early, the late nineties, early two thousands had their own like Revit 3D <laughs> engine that they spent, you know, millions of dollars on. And, and there's been other few other construction companies that have done, you know, some of these tech in incubators. Obviously, it's worked out for for Beck and that it's its own company now. But how have you seen this? To I'm a big fan of it. Um, I started a small like R and D department. One of the firms that I work for doing like Oculus Rift and the whole uh, VR kind of world and walking through a model with an Xbox controller in uh, you know the 2014. So with a lot of this, I see it as being very beneficial. But at the same time. Uh, the vast majority, I would say, because really when you talk about R&D departments or um, these innovation groups, you're you're talking a handful of firms that that do anything of that. So for the firms that have that you've seen to be successful uh, in that, like what was the maybe the catalyst for them to come and be successful versus yeah. stuck in the, the ways of <laughs> this is how we've always done it? Yeah, that's a really great one uh, because, and that's that's kind of pivoting into kind of what what you know, what do I see as a future, and maybe my crystal ball is as fuzzy as anyone else's. But the the biggest challenge that that I have seen over the years, especially if you're if you're doing your own homegrown stuff, is that unless you have uh, fast resources or you know deep deep ways of understanding the technology, it, you're going to be using off the shelf. Products, right? You're going to either use Excel or, or maybe using a Beck technology application. Like you're using off-the-shelf stuff. Now, um, it just depends upon when the technology was was developed as to how interoperable or relatable it is to other other data points or data systems. And that's you know what Matt, you and Dylan are talking about. You know, you want to get the architecture team involved. And, and maybe they're all very sophisticated Revit users, but maybe the Revit models just aren't modeled to a way that an estimating team or a construction team could consume or use those models, right? Because those were design intent models and they, they, they may not have the fidelity or the data that is that is necessary for estimators to feel comfortable or, does, or estimating teams to feel like they could quantify. I, I think we're getting there. We're, we are moving that direction. And ultimately, one of the, the things that, that makes this really powerful for everyone is rather than file-based systems, you need to go with you know cloud-based or, or uh, server or uh, database-driven systems because database-driven database systems have a, a really powerful way of maintaining consistency in the data and, and of course, translating the data. And when you can do that, then then whether one firm, as I was talking about with an architecture firm, certain pen weights were based upon color, 
um, if you have a way of translating that type of data into a, you know somebody else's source then then you can utilize it you know it, it doesn't just die on the vine as as a point in time and, and it has to be reconstructed or rebuilt in the next one and so I, I think long term for all you know for the construction industry as a whole need to think about integration the you know what what areas can be integrated for efficiencies how can you find common standards or common ground and if you can't find the common ground do you have some way of translating the data so what what's in one source has some sort of equivalent in the other source so that's probably a direction to be thinking about in, in the future is it uh, start to go away from kind of flat files and, and work in an environment, a collaboration environment, minimum collaboration. And if you could find integration where the tools are are ubiquitous and talking to one another, then then you're you're miles ahead. Yeah, in there, I mean, there's definitely a lot in there, and and I don't necessarily disagree with it. The thing that that has always been the sticking point, and until <laughs> we kind of iron out some some contracts, I don't know how how it becomes beneficial, right? To like a like a design firm or even a construction firm. Uh, so if a design firm changes everything that they do to easily throw it over the fence, right? So they invest all this time and money, and it might make it easier on their construction partners. Um, so now the the construction firm benefits from all the work that the architecture firm did, right? And I think there's there's some of that um, hesitancy, right, in a big investment to where it, it doesn't necessarily pay back to the design firm, which is also why you're seeing more design build come up because now a construction firm can see the benefit directly to their bottom line. To one, they <laughs> they absorb the fee of design and they can streamline their construction process. So without, I think, contracts or uh, owners being, I think, more savvy is the other thing in here um, that a lot of people miss out on is an owner just wants a building. They don't care how it gets done. Just, you know, <laughs> I need a hospital, uh, you know, like make it happen. Um, yeah. They don't understand like the process in it, which is its own, I think, Again, it's a contractual issue is what some of this really comes down to as much as we would not like to admit that it's uh, nobody's forced to, to go one way or the other um, because it's, you know, some of this is not to the benefit of, of one party. Um, ultimately, you know, being the owner's ultimate interest, but I think um, there's some some lack in there, not not to be a, a downer on it. I think there's obviously solutions to it. Um, it just contractually doesn't always fly you're you're spot on on that i mean it's it's it is very hard to uh, if if you're not uh, contractually obligated it's very hard to to try to lean in towards the center and provide a maybe you know, a little bit of work on this side though i'm not uh, contractually obligated to do it uh may help people downstream i i, I think one thing that that i have seen uh it's it's not prevalent yet, but um, very techy or or forward thinking owners asking for collaboration and integration um, helps helps streamline that kind of process of well let's look at what the contracts need to be so that data can be shared like like they're they're, they're you know kind of you can try to do it um, as many uh, probably all three of us have tried to to try to. Um, move initiatives forward with inside of the the sphere of influence that you have and that's great but how, how does that get to, how can your innovative ideas sometimes get really um, mainstream and and somehow organically take off right and, and part of that is is that when it comes as you said uh, Dylan hey uh, I'm, an, I'm an owner and I need a hospital built how you get there it really doesn't really matter to me, but I need a hospital by this time because that's their business, right? They, they, they have no interest at all about what's the design component to that and how do they do it and how do they execute it? What's the construction component to that? And all the other ancillary items that have to go into it as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, taking a step back, looking at a kind of a more holistic overview of the AEC industry 
it is it's, it's a three-legged stool right you've, you've got an owner that that needs needs a product you've got a design uh, firm or practitioner that knows that uh, the, the design process knows the standards and the uh, the city codes and all you know like that's their discipline and then you've got the construction team that is going to put it into place uh, I have seen and it's been successful it, it's actually it's successful with with Beck um, that it, there's integrated contracts, right? The, the, the architect and, and the contractor are, are in, under the same contract in the same house, right? I have seen, um, and, and we work with a couple clients, that the, the developer or the owner uh, has a captured architecture and construction group. I would say that that's probably one of the most uh, powerful ways to streamline the process because the, the owner uh, developer knows what their product type is. They they're in business for to deliver on a certain exterior uh, or a, a usage that they know um, what what their quality what what they're expecting and the design firm that's captured by that follows those standards. They they don't deviate from it because it's simply a product type that they go after. They're not they're not a, a multidisciplinary firm that that does does everything. They they have very focused markets and they can they can uh, uh, fine-tune their models for for maximum delivery right and the same thing can happen on the construction side then is that and actually just before this this call I was on a on a training class and uh, with a firm kind of similar that that has the ability to to interrogate the Revit models and look at those models and understand them as they relate to cost and say oh some things are, are not really where they need to be, let's let's go ahead and circle back around with with all team team members and understand if you do a little bit more here, this helps everyone. Now, again, bigger picture when you're looking at the the siloed disciplines that are out there, that that gets a lot harder. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I do think that over time, and again, my crystal ball is really fuzzy, but but maybe maybe five years out that there would be some sort of consistencies. Uh, that that folks would kind of say, you know, hey, this makes sense because I've been working with with the with the construction teams or these specific owners over and over again, and I can I, they've grown it, you know, they've innovated it or organically developed certain processes that can be highly repeatable and usable. I'm not saying that they have to be industry standards because I think that makes it even harder if you're saying, all right, let's let's lay out the entire industry flat on a piece of paper, then it becomes really hard to think about the different disciplines and what their needs are. And, and even if you looked at different market sectors, it becomes even more challenging to figure out, well, what's so important about a hospital as opposed to a parking structure? And are there things that are common and are there things that are, are unique? And, and where could we find those standards? So it's going to be a challenge for many, many years because I just don't know overall if there could be any sort of a unified industry standard but i think just repeating with because a lot of us um, work with clients we have that's the repeat business right we're we're working and we're getting efficiencies on that level yeah and you know from the construction side we 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 work with architecture and, and engineering groups very very frequently because we we've found guys or women you know groups that that we kind of gel with yep. and and we approach a lot of it as design build um but but it's still that team environment and i, I think you guys both kind of hit it in that really some of that change has to start above and beyond the three of us it, it has to start at the the owners and the developer level because you know those folks are still going off of the old the old good fast cheap triangle and you can only pull that triangle in so many directions and, and keep it equilateral and yes you know, for, for us all to survive and to and to to be productive and be happy because we, we all still have to make a living you have to keep those legs sort of in in plane with each other and you know un, until we get some sort of recognition that you know these these projects take time they cost real dollars there's only certain there's only so much we can do as a as a designer as a developer as a contractor we can't make it free we can't make it ridiculously fast there's there's definite limits on this and it's just uh 
it's an interesting conundrum because you know I don't know, I don't know if we ever solve it, but I think getting towards that direction is helpful certainly. Yeah, I think the the big thing that you hit on there too, uh, both Doug and Matt, is is standards, and but it, the standards have to be driven from the owner, right? So like a hospital group, which I've worked with a few when they have design standards, things flow a heck of a lot easier. This is what we want. This is what we're going to approve. <laughs> this is how we're going to move forward. You don't do this, no go, right? It makes things very, very cut and dry. And I think that's what a lot of uh, entities, right? Owners are missing. But then again, when you look at, let's take school districts, they build most, the vast majority of school districts build one building every 20 years. The same people are not there <laughs> for the last building as we're there for this building. And a lot of like government things, it's just, you don't have the same people typically because their, their build cycles are 20, 25, 50 years uh, where hospitals build stuff all the time. <laughs> Something is always under construction in a hospital uh, versus, you know, a school or, or anything like that. Frankly, a lot of them they're getting they're either building new ones or tearing down the old ones. That's that's the extent of most of those things. So it's to and then you know higher ed's a little different. They're they're somewhere in the middle uh, for that. Uh, but the other thing that I want to to come back to a little bit is on cost. So I totally agree to the point of uh, an engineer and architect as they're drawing things, they have no idea what things cost. It's not their job to know ish right like in a way it is but it's not um and what are what are some ways some uh tactics other than you know once a once every six months when a project <laughs> comes to to bid they they see like uh well this one's over i don't know why but uh you know uh what do we do here but what may, might be some ways you know in, in traditional BIM, right? Using Revit, or I say traditional last five years of BIM, but like what, what might be some ways for the design team to try to understand costs a little better uh, in their designing? Obviously on the construction side, estimators are in the numbers, you know, day in, day out. Uh, you know, the construction team is really dealing with the hard costs of things on a, on a daily basis where the design team sees it, you know, at SD, DD and CD review and VE, right? Sure. Phase four. So what might be some, some tactics for, for everybody out there really to kind of understand costs at a, at a little better level? That's a great one. Uh, Dylan, we, um, uh, we've pivoted at Bechtech to, adding all of our uh, adding all the estimates into a central database and it doesn't have to be one it could be uh, i've got a couple of clients that are that have regional estimate databases but all of those re regional databases can uh, you could use uh, products like uh, power bi or domo or tableau or uh, microstrategies there, there's all these types of visualizers that allow you to look at um, big data sets and start to start to either normalize the data or or slice the data in such a way that it could be interpreted by an executive all the way down to you know may, maybe it is an intern architect that's trying to, to pick up some red lines and, and they would like to understand at some sort of rudimentary level a uh, what what they're seeing and and to be able to have a project team that um, and again whether it's owner driven or not what maybe, maybe it's a, a construction firm that just says they want to provide, they want to lean in and provide some, uh, some data to, to the design firm that, uh, hey, here's, here's a dashboard of the past five projects that, um, that we've done with you. I mean, it, again, if it's a highly repeatable relationship, like I know that, that Matt has done in, in some of his uh, um, ventures, that you can start to have those deeper conversations about, hey, you're, you're kind of starting to get to a threshold. So let's, let's try to figure out how to solve the, in, in, without going over, right? So I think visualizers, um, BI applications are a good way to do that because those are pretty agnostic, right? That you're only just pointing to a data source and then uh, deciding how you want to present that data source. And that, that's probably something that um, for uh, Matt and Dylan uh, and, and, and others is if you're not uh, exploring um, that kind of BI uh, space, 
I, I would say most firms that I've come across, their their accounting group has. Like, it may not be as as um, uh, prevalent using estimates to do uh, to source Power BI data at the moment. Um, that's just because in many cases the data still lives in files, and it's it's very hard to aggregate that data or curate the data and condition the data so that it could be useful. Um, but that's that's an initiative that that Bechtech has been working on to to kind of bridge that one so that that it is more consumable and and uh, accessible to to all parties. Uh, again, it still it comes down to how much data do you want to share, but a, a dashboard that is only read only is is just that, right? It's it's just conveying data, and it then can start a conversation. You know, should I go this way? Should I go that way? And, and the conversation piece is huge in this because. I tell many of my prospective clients that what we do at, at Schaefer, we're not pricing anything. We're simply going out and gathering what the market is already priced to that, right? I mean, we all have our own strategies and our own different markups here and there, but for the most part, it's relationship-based because we're all looking at the same set of, of data hypothetically anyway. Yeah. So yeah. to be able to, to grab that data in a, in a, in a way that, everyone can understand it from the intern architect up to the executive and the CEO level. It, it helps that conversation and it helps build that relationship. When you do both of those in, in concert with each other, now we're building buildings and, and the three of us are, are real happy. You know, it, it's, yes. it's part of that ever evolving uh, communication, if, if you will. And, and the more, the more data we can communicate to our clients, the better we're all at. And then the more data that, the designers can communicate to me the better we're at it and it just keeps you know and they're all spokes on a wheel exactly I mean, and that's actually the the greatest uh visual visualizer that you could have is is the spokes on the wheel right that 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 everyone has a a uh, a role to play to support the the wheel and and if there are ways that you can actually centralize or share the data into the center of the wheel uh, you're at that hub then that enables uh, kind of free access to to the data and then uh, either withdraw what they need or embellish it more with what what they can uh, lend to the table. And I think with this, it's also to time. Time is a big piece of this, right? Do you have the right information at the right time for the right people? Um, which is that whole communication piece. So when you're thinking about a deliverable, because that's typically what everybody thinks in, right? On the design side, SD, CD, or DD, CD, you know, and then the whole CA phase and, you know, from dirt being dug to, you know, steel top out to certificate of occupancy, right? Like those are some of the big milestones in, on the construction side, but is to have the right information at the right time throughout a project. And the sometimes the sooner that you can get a lot of that, you know, the the better choices you can make. Obviously, in in design, <laughs> the sooner that you can make some of these big sweeping uh, choices or changes to a a model, you know, for massing, right? Like, do we have too much concrete <laughs> in this thing, right? To how many seats we have in a stadium? To how many beds we have in a hospital or a dorm room, um, you know, those big choices made early in the project matter a whole lot more than, or are less costly, let's put it that way, less costly early than they are later. And, you know, having technology, having tools, I mean, that's a lot of what we build at Calabunga Studios is the tool to get you there faster. Yeah. But through, through a lot of this, it's, you know, do you have the, one, do you have the data? And I think with BIM, we have the data then it's, can you see it, right? Are you using anything in design firms historically have been very, um, I, I'm gonna say gun shy, but liability shy is really the, the, the big choice there. But, yeah. uh, you know, liability conscious and sharing co uh, quantities, right? Yeah. To do quantity takeoffs because the model's not right. And this has been, a, I think, a big thing too of point of contention is sharing that that model now is the design firm liable for 
counts, quantities versus our traditional paper set <laughs> where this is now, now it's on the construction team to count everything versus having a table of, of quantities. Um, so I don't, I don't ultimately know where that goes, but I, I just see that like, most of the data is there, yep. you know, in a, in a BIM model, so long as it's modeled correctly, which that's, a, we can spend a day talking about that, but uh, the data is there. And then from this, are you seeing, or, I mean, I know Beck's got its own platform, but seeing this to where that data gets shared out uh, to everybody, you know, and you, contractually kind of <laughs> mitigate some of the liability between everybody um, to, to do that? Or how do you see, I, this is again, kind of going back to some contractual early questions, but in that, um, and that's really just where I, I end up seeing the bottleneck is in that contract, not yeah. necessarily and for liability on, on both sides. Yeah. I, I don't know how to answer that well, because I, I think it is uh, contractual on a case by case basis. And if we just holistically say that um, as an industry as a whole, like the three of us, uh, we, we are ambassadors to encourage the, the sharing of data and, and to, to encourage that kind of communication. Uh, and it, it may have to you know, trickle up all the way to the top to, to obviously the, um, the, the, the firms that have, you know, they could they could get their risk management involved and try to you know tr try to figure out what where are those lines and, and what can be shared. Um, just recently, I've, I've been working with two clients that that use our product and and they're going into a joint venture and and they're asking, well, what can we share and how can we share it? And the, the luxury that that I have is that I know both of their data sets without <laughs> without exposing one to the other, right? Like. Like I, like I can see where where there's a common thread and then where there is intellectual property that needs to be the um, discard not, not discarded but 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 sheltered or, or not not applied to the not uh, provided to the other and so just kind of sharing with them what they should do and how they should do it so that they can actually collaborate um, is is just that's just one you know two construction firms joint doing a joint venture but that, that's not the only ones there's many of them and they're they are looking for ways to get to that common thread um and obviously it has to go through risk and, and all the other things so that that it makes sense uh contractually on both on all sides so yeah dylan you you raise a really good point is that it that it, it does come down in in those senses to what what can be shared um I don't know if I I, ha, I don't have any really great great answers other than to look for look for integrated platforms or platforms that that interface the data more more seamlessly as opposed to siloed data because that, that the siloed data model I think that was the way it had to go in the beginning when when things were were all PC based and and then PC to server and um, we're having to get to the point where we have to just be able to to have the data in in uh, either in a cloud or in in a shared shared uh, environment that a JV or this this uh, design firm and this this owner can see the same data set and provide the value or provide the information in a timely manner. As you said, Dylan, I mean making the decisions upfront and knowing what the cost implication of the decision is gives you a better uh, rate of success of being able to to deliver the product on time on budget and uh, I, I know internally uh, with Beck that uh, their their healthcare division as, as you said Dylan is something that uh, can do that type of work because it's it's very very consistent in in standards that that health healthcare providers have and so it, it's a highly repeatable play. I know we can go a lot of ways here. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Dylan. Um, and and through all this too, I mean, we bring up contracts a lot, and it's I again not to have the answer necessarily, but I think it's it's for everyone out there to have the conversations within their own organization on what what their best practice is, what comfortable 
what risk level they're comfortable with in a lot of this, what they're comfortable in sharing. So it's it's really for for all of you out there to to bring up the this within your own organization to find ways to to make it comfortable uh, for you, you know, with risk, with tolerances, with everything that you're going through, and not necessarily that we have the answers, you know, there's a lot of solutions out there that you can use to, to help you make these decisions. But ultimately, you have to be comfortable with with whatever risk or liability and your insurance agent, and all that stuff are, are going to, you know, get on together to, to move forward. Um, you know, and it's having that conversation with the owner, with your construction team, with the design team, right? And everybody getting on the same page, getting that done contractually, you know, it's a little easier with like an IPD project um, or CMC, like some of these contractual things are a little easier to share data within because everyone's under one contract. Um, but it's to ultimately just have the conversation about uh, information, data, you know, sharing, do we, are we okay with quantities? Is that going to help takeoffs, right? Do we just give them the BIM model and the design team or the construction team and estimate team can pull all the information out of it to then put a schedule together and add quantities quicker than anything else that they're doing. So it's, I don't think it, there's a one true answer. Just like there's not one true answer in, in construction in general, but it's yeah. to, to have the conversation with, with everybody across, you know, at least the heads of the three companies, right? Owner, uh, contractor and design team. Um, and however that might be structured, you know, you got six people or whatever, but to, to have those conversations. Definitely. And I think um, to have those conversations and, and I've, I've used this over many, many years is begin with the end in mind, you know, a Franklin Covey habit, which is like your, your ultimate goal. And maybe it does help then um, get to the point of, of getting everyone around the table and being willing to, to see if there's a way to work together is, you know, making sure that everyone that's, that is seated at the table is is buying into the same goal you know what what does success look like to this project team and as long as that type of kind of early early development comes across and it, and it could come across from the owner it could come across from from the design team or it could come across from the construction team you know somebody brings up hey have we ever thought about doing something like this and and possibly exploring in some cases and being willing to to fail, but but know early on, like you know, well, let's explore uh, this type of technology, and, and we've got you know three weeks, six weeks to just determine whether or not this would be successful for this team. Then I, I think it's those types of things as well. It, it, there's contracts and all the other stuff, but it's really being able to make sure that the players that are on the team are as you said before all pulling the same way like you know it's it's it's, it's not a three-way tug of war it should be everyone pulling the same direction so that you have the most efficiencies on on the backside. but it begins with that with that end in mind like this this is the primary goal if it's not that and, it, and sometimes everyone has their own uh, their own reason to be on the team and all that i, I think uh you know having having some some tension on a team. I, I've seen that be very successful, but I, I think you have to have the respect of, of each discipline to understand. I don't have to know how to design, or I don't know how to. I don't know. I don't have to be an expert cost estimator, or I don't really have to understand um, the product type that I'm trying to deliver. But it does help if you could at least uh, appreciate what what you know. What does a hospital need, or or what does a construction firm need, or what does the design team need in order to to have a have everyone pulling from the same side is is uh, probably more than anything. It's it's what you've all talked about is the relationships, right? I don't technology is an enabler. It, it enables you to do something more, but it certainly isn't the gun to the people's head to say you will do it this way. T technology can't do that. You can either choose to use it or not do it, right? I mean, it's it's the you know the old uh, adage of lead the horse to the water i mean ultimately yeah. technology is only leading you there you, you you as a group have to decide what what you're going to use from that and what you can share uh, again outside of that you know the risks and the and the contracts is is, is just a, another level of of thinking but definitely or, or something to definitely be uh, cognizant of 
but having um, Dylan, you and Matt and, and, and multiple, I mean, I've, I've met so many fantastic people over the years that are so energetic, so enthusiastic to solving real world problems and increasing the efficiencies, making things more consistent, more, more uh, centrally uh, shared so that that it isn't, uh, well, let's just throw it over the fence and let's hope it works. I mean, that, that, that type of mentality is just so difficult to, to manage because it, it then is just a seesaw, right? Nope, draw it again. Uh, uh, okay. okay, nope, draw it again. I mean, that, that there, there's no value in that. You bring up uh, another great point there. I mean, we're all problem solvers by design. That, that's what we all do. And, and it kind of segues into a question I ask a lot of our guests. Um, and frankly, when I ask the construction guys, I know what the answer is going to be. So it's always interesting to me personally when I ask guys from either the design side or the, or the tech side, um, what do you, Doug, see as the single biggest or at least one of the, one of the largest issues facing our collective industry today? I wish you would have sent that to me beforehand so I could have like uh, chewed on it for a little while. Um, biggest, biggest challenge in the industry? And some of this too. So just to, I'll give you a, a reprieve here so you can okay. think on it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> is some of the challenges that that might come up and it, it could be from your side right from the the design technology side maybe it's it's use cases maybe it's um getting people to work together but for the because ultimately what we're driving at here is we need to identify the problem first <laughs> yeah. so that we can ultimately solve it and this is this is the thing right a lot of people will talk about problems a lot of people will hammer on the the wrong nail, but they will never get out a hammer, right? <laughs> They'll point out the nail, but they will never actually hammer it in. It won't solve the problem. So, you know, from that, what do you what are you seeing? And then we can talk about <laughs> some of the the solutions, the things to to help to to push that thing forward. Okay. Well, um, you know, just from from a technologist. Point of view, I, I think, uh, and I've, I've been mentioning it along the way, is that uh, having silos or having flat files is that that that's that is is going to fade away at some point because some Excel file that has a macro that does some really cool stuff that that was innovative, you know, 25 years ago or 20 years ago or possibly even up to 15 or, or 10 years ago, and it could it could win projects, right? It, it could sell a client to show that you are technically savvy and edgy and that you could consume and reuse and repurpose data. But I think ultimately the, the biggest challenge, Matt, uh, as you, you know, put it point blank to me, is that it's the frag, fragmentation of the data sets, um, even with inside of any, any firm, right? Whether it's a construction firm that is, is using uh, Excel or, or uh, some other estimating tools that are single purpose, like that they, they, it's a, it's like a TI calculator, it just does that, but you need it to do more than that. Uh, that maybe that's kind of where I'm going with it is, is that if, to finding technical or, or adopting technical solutions that have multiple inlets and outlets, uh, kind of similar to that of, of an iPhone, right? Like before an iPhone, a phone was a phone and yeah, you might've had a camera on it, but the iPhone, all of a sudden, this innovation of, well, you could have any, any host of apps and all this other stuff and, and create new business models that didn't exist before it. And then, oh, by the way, it also has a phone and a camera. Oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, it, it's that kind of thing is, is sometimes looking at from the construction and, and uh, architecture and, and mostly the owner developer is thinking about uh, not to invent the next iPhone, but thinking about what how do we uh, come to the center and, and share the data set? And, and again, ultimately, that, that would mean that they're, they're, somebody is willing to host the source data, whether that's, hey, you know, a, a design firm is always using BIM 360 and they're, they're posting up their models 
weekly or something like that. And and that the construction firm is willing to to uh, point to that hub and and look at it, interrogate the data, use what they can, in, and then come to the meetings and say, hey, we've noticed this, this, and this, or this is missing. It's it's that kind of open communication, but it has to come from firms that that are innovative, that that have folks like you guys that have been incubating the ideas and and willing to to kind of risk it on a project and see if it if if it has uh, if it has some some merit. I think that's a, a great answer, Doug. I mean, it, okay. it it's a problem. It, it all comes down to communication, right? And, and I think, you know, what 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 Dylan and I are doing as an overall goal here is we're we're trying to we're trying to fix all these problems in the industry, right? And that's why we we have varied guests from different backgrounds, different different professional uh, tracks. Um, you know, the construction side of it, we have this huge shortage of skilled labor and and of you know, trade-based learning at younger, younger ages. But, but really, I think, and we've touched on it 15 times already today, it, it comes down to communication and we have to figure out how to talk with each other, whether it's through teaching young kids about the trades or grabbing data sets from, from the industries and, and sharing amongst the, the, the three of us. You know, it, if we keep doing things the way that they've always been done, we'll never get anywhere farther. Very true. So, I know we're uh, we're pushing up against the clock here, but uh, I appreciate you coming on, Doug. Um, it's been great to, to reconnect a bit. Um, oh, definitely. So, uh, where where can people find you if they want to reach out and, and connect? Well, you can certainly go to to beck-technology.com, and that that's our main website. And uh, uh, my name here, you know. Doug Maiden, I mean, that's that's just Doug Maiden at beck-technology.com. Anyone wants to get any more information uh, from my take, um, be happy to to respond back to them. And ultimately, I'm, I mean, Matt, the, the reason why I came on is is of the relationship that you and I have, and that that you said, hey, Doug, would you be willing to do this? Sure. There's there's other folks. Uh, Stuart Carroll is our, our president and CEO of of Beck Technology, and then uh, Michael Bourne is our uh, CTO, I mean, they, they can talk for uh, an hour or so more about uh, technical details that, that are at a different level. I, uh, as a former practitioner, as an architect, um, I think my passion is, is uh, always in the, in the weeds, in the trenches of solving the, the challenges on a, on, a, on a client by client basis. So you know, most of our clients are, are construction firms, and so they've got processes in place, but we need to unify the data. And so my background as, as uh, in the beginning, uh, as I studied architecture, I studied uh, city regional planning as well as, as architecture. So being able to think at the macro level and understand the vision from somebody, what, what, you know, some visionary inside of a firm or, or the client has, it has the vision, but at the same time, understand the details, the technical details of putting something together uh, at the architectural level uh, that that's that's been my um, hopefully a contribution to the industry, but it, I've learned so much by actually working with you, Matt, and and, and others that would tell me what the cost of something is. Go, okay, well, okay, well then maybe, maybe you know I shouldn't you know when I think back at the macro level, you know maybe we should be thinking of a different direction and we're looking at the detailed level. Let's let's go a different direction. So it's it's been a, a fantastic journey. It's always great to do what you just said, and that's to have that open channel of communication. To, to always be willing to learn from somebody. Yeah, and, and for those of you who haven't checked out, especially Deep Profiler, I would suggest taking a look at it. It, it does some really amazing stuff. Um, Doug, you, you pretty well built it out of your, your own brainchild, right? Whether you'll be, you'll be too humble to admit it, but um, can you tell us anything without sharing any secrets, obviously, what, what big is on the horizon? What's the next sure. thing? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, so I, I, I will. I can't take credit for. I, 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 I contributed as much as many folks at Bechtech contributed to to Destiny Profiler. I, I would tell you that the reason why I left architecture is when I had a, a an interview with Peter Beck, and you know Peter was coming from the construction side and and knows knows a lot about construction, and I'm coming from the architecture side, saying I simply just want to know as I draw a line what it costs. What the cost per linear foot is, and I don't know that. 
And so Destiny Profiler, Matt, you uh, it was fantastic to to introduce it to you and, and to others uh, up in up in Michigan that that have utilized it well. And it's it's a fantastic tool, but it is uh, a tool that had a, a specific purpose in project pursuit and and understanding that that macro level of what what the cost impact is of a decision and it, it couldn't go downstream past a schematic design it, it just the the amount of of time to trying to to tighten up the the cost or anything like that it had a diminishing return on an investment and so yeah great that you you pitch hey you know take a look at it but uh our our focus uh has been now since uh, about 2012 is is developing the entire project continuum as opposed to simply rough order of magnitude of project pursuit and so um destiny estimator is is that it, it is a it's a continuum uh, application that is is going to have additional functionality built into it over the years and in, including uh, at some point in the future uh, again my my fuzzy five-year crystal ball you know, somewhere in the future, maybe uh, there is a, a way to to bring in this, the same types of elements that that Profiler has been doing for years, but in a in a more modern modern platform that that is uh, kind of web enabled. Like like it, it, it you do not have to be worried about a, a specific type of hardware or anything. You you just log in and, and start evaluating the data. And it's not to eliminate a designer. It's not to eliminate an estimator. It's it's to bring people to the center and talk about the the vision of the project. I know that was very ambiguous. Like I'm not telling you any features anywhere, any, any, <laughs> any anything out. But, uh, you know, we, we do have a product roadmap. And and I, I certainly would suggest that uh, and I'll, I'll suggest to Stuart or and Michael that maybe they would like to come on at some point. Uh, in the future and, and talk uh, high level about uh, some of the other visions. But it, I really appreciate being you know, welcomed as a guest to, to talk about it at, at a more practitioner level and, and really you know, roll up the sleeves and, and work with estimators and, and teams to, to try to find uh, better solutions for the future. Yeah, a absolutely. And, and I'm sure Dylan and I would, would welcome those guys on it sometime in the future. And um, believe me, I, I I work with a tech guy. I, I wouldn't expect you to, to give away any secrets. So I appreciate the answer you gave us. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. And I think this, this is the other thing too, just real quick as we wrap up here is understanding that technology isn't as much as some might say intended to replace your people, right? It's intended to enable your people to do their jobs. Everybody's overwhelmed <laughs> as it is in construction, right? It's either feast or famine. And when it's a feast, you know, nobody's sleeping, nobody's doing well at all. You know, Doug, you're, you're as gray as they come and probably earlier than most, you know, as uh, I mean, I, I was gray early in my career. Um, so it, at that point too, like it, it um, a lot of this tech is to, to really help people end up just being happier, right? Not, not stressed about the projects, not uh, too worried about getting things out the door. So it's not intended to bring or to replace anybody. Again, we can't find enough people in the industry as it is. So a lot of technology is to, to help people just do their jobs, <laughs> do it the best they can, not to, not to replace them, but to, to really enable people to do great work and continue to stay in this industry, you know, that we all love. Definitely, I, I think that's uh, that's something that's internal to to Beck Technology is is our uh, our core values of passion, innovation, and caring, and and we it starts with us internally. You know, we care about each other, and, and we encourage each other to to you know look across the the firm and and and, and help wherever you can, and and make sure that that people's lives are are enriched, right, and it, it, their their families matter. And, and getting home at a reasonable hour so that you can maybe put your your child to bed. I mean, like all those things are are ubiquitous to, to any any anybody, right? They they whether you're a designer, whether you're uh, in uh, an estimator, or even an owner, like you ultimately want to be with your family and and do the things that are important. But at the same time, 
many of us, and, and I'm, I, I have this um, affliction to the way is I, I live to work in some case because I am really passionate about wanting to, to make it better. Uh, and so you have to find that ground, but that's what tech, uh, Dylan, you're so spot on is that technology is not to put you out of business. It's, it's to help you hopefully sleep better and, and have more time with, with friends and family. Absolutely. And guys, go uh, go check out Doug. Go follow him. We'll uh, put all your links here in the, the comments below. And just again, to recap, I mean, it's it's about communication. It's about having open, honest conversations, you know, uh, with everybody up and down the chain across to really allow you to make better decisions sooner. Uh, not necessarily more decisions, but better decisions with better information. Uh, sooner in the process in the project to communicate effectively um, confidently across the project and you know technology uh, whether that's Beck or ours or somebody else's it's the way to to get out there to to show that hey this is why we made a decision how we got here and how we're all going to move forward so thank you Doug so much for for coming on and, and sharing your story Matt and I both really appreciate it and guys uh, until next time, that's this episode of the Construction Corner Podcast. Thank you.